All right, all right, all right. It's the sleeping in crowd. My people, right? Love you guys. I've been waiting all weekend for you to get here. It's about time. So this is definitely my crowd. So if I haven't met you yet, my name is Dusty Hoffman. Been here at Central for 20 years. Jeff's uh, out in California, so he asked me to fill in for the week. So it's good to see you guys. Uh, for those who are joining either out in the concourse or if, if Oakwood's still in overflow or watching online, if, if you're on, I don't, I don't care, uh, Hulu, Netflix, ESPN+, Plus, wherever you're streaming us from, I don't know where we are this morning. We're just glad to have you. So welcome to church. I'm pumped to see you. Uh, If you've spent any time at Centro at all, you know that we are deeply vested in loving uh, the people of Ethiopia. And one of the ways that we're doing that is through our partnership with the ministry called the Timothy Initiative, or TTI, in which together we're working to plant 500 churches in Ethiopia. Now, um, I brought three of those churches that have been planted, pictures from those brand new little baby church plants, and I want to show you them this morning as a little sample of the fruit of your lives. So let's put the first church up. Yeah, we got these guys. They meet on a hillside there. I love that snapshot. The next one, I think, is the one super colorful. Yes, I love that one. And then this third bunch, they're maybe my favorite. These guys were getting together for services, and they said, we don't have anywhere to meet. And And the guy who leads the church said, what about the shade of the tree? We can meet anywhere. So how many of you know you can have church anywhere, right? So those are just three of the new little churches that have gotten started uh, because of your life. So think about this. Just months ago, those churches didn't exist. And now today, they do. Through the Central and TTI partnership, um, we've already planted, if you can believe this, 152 new churches in Ethiopia. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, you can clap for that. Those 152 new churches are now filled with over 10,000 new believers. We've already seen 10,000 people come to faith in Christ through these churches and the outreach that they're doing. So I, I know it's sometimes hard to picture some of that in your mind. And so I wanted to give you at least a snapshot of what this looks like. Now, we can't show you the exact location of every one of these churches because we're working in some security-sensitive places. But I brought a map with, if you can play that, of what 152 churches in Ethiopia looks like. Isn't that amazing? So that's where we're at today. And now we're on our way again to 500 churches, and that looks something like this. Isn't it wonderful to see the kingdom of God going to new pockets of people all over Ethiopia? That's what you're engaged in. And so as a ministry, the Timothy Initiative just wanted to say thank you to you this morning. And apparently the only way we know how to say thank you is with food. And so we we literally brought 2,000 donuts. So if you didn't get one on the way in, grab a donut on the way out, uh, just as our thank you to you. If you want, you can also sign up uh, on this little card to receive a once a month email of updates from church planners in Ethiopia and around the world that you can then pray for. We promise no spam, just one email a month. You can unsubscribe at any time, but wouldn't it be great if dozens and dozens or hundreds of us this morning said, I'll give a few minutes once a month to just receive that email, pray for what God's doing in the countries around the world as we're engaged in that effort at Central. So sign up at the end of the service if you want. So there we are. Now, uh, you know, we're in a series in the Psalms called When, and today we've arrived at Psalm 84, so you can start flipping open to that and finding it. We'll be there in a minute. Um, But before we start, I actually got to ask you guys a question this morning. 
Would it be okay with you guys if we like got a little bit fired up this morning? Is that okay? Like if, if we go next level passionate, that's okay this morning? Who is here? The reason I ask is that the psalm Jeff gave us, it is hardcore challenging. It is not an easy psalm. So if we, uh, if I push your buttons a little too much or if you get upset, please, please just email me at jeff.wheeler. No, don't email. You'll be all right. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalm 84, and then uh, at the end of the message, we're actually going to set before you two challenges and ask you to consider doing one of them. So a couple years ago, I found myself on a flight in between India and Nepal, and uh, I'll be honest, uh, jet lag was getting the best of me, and so I boarded the plane looking forward to catching a little nap, and I got on the plane, every seat was filled, I was literally in the last row of the plane, Three, uh, three rows of seats on this side, aisle, three rows of seats on this side, I'm back middle, the ideal seat, right, it's the one no one wants. So I get on the seat, sit down, put my headphones on, and I fall asleep right away. A couple hours into the flight, I, I noticed some movement or happening around me, even though my eyes were still shut. I'm like, people are moving, right? I, can, I just sense something happening. So I open up my eyes and I'm kind of squinting and, and I look forward in my half of the plane and every single person is gone. And I was like, did the rapture happen and I missed it? Like what? So I rubbed the fog out of my eyes and I looked to the left and all the people that were on my side of the plane are now sitting on the laps and bending over all the Nepali friends on the left side of the plane. I thought the plane was going to like whoop, go like that, right? Like tilt because of all the weight. And I was like, well, I better figure out what's going on. So I get up out of my seat. I don't want to be left behind. And so I go over and I join everybody else on this half of the plane. And, and I start to look out the window and then I saw it. It was the Himalayan mountains the largest mountain range on the planet. So my jaw hits the nice Nepali man's lap that I'm now sitting in, right? And very uncomfortable for us. And, and I'm sitting there just gawking and gaping and <laughs> staring at this, this gigantic mountain range. I mean, it's just mountain after mountain after mountain, right? And I'm standing there staring, I don't know how long, and, and I sort of start to try to, you know, twist my head to look past the nose of the plane. And then I saw something that dwarfed even the Himalayas. It was Everest, Mount Everest, the largest peak on the planet. I could have stood in wonder staring at this thing for hours, right? Now, I've just given you my best crack at describing Everest, but you can't see what's in my mind right now, right? You can't feel what I felt on the plane that day. See, describing the thing can't get you even close to the experience of the thing itself. That's Psalm 84. What about Carnegie Hall? Anyone ever been to New York City, New York City? If you've ever been to Carnegie Hall, you know, arguably one of the best concert halls on the planet, right? All the acoustics are designed for our ears to hear every grace note every single crescendo. So picture yourself seated in Carnegie Hall as your ears start to hear a world-famous quartet playing some Brahms. (laughs) 
good sound system here, but it can't hold a candle to Carnegie Hall. See, describing the thing can't get you even close to experiencing the thing itself. That's Psalm 84. When we open up Psalm 84, the author is trying to describe something he's experiencing, and no matter what words he uses, nothing can get us even close to actually experiencing the thing for ourselves. See, I can give a sermon on Psalm 84. I can tell you every Hebrew word, and, and none of it is even going to get us in the ballpark. But let's give it a go. Let's read Psalm 84. Meet me in verse 1, and we'll unpack this together. Psalm 84, verse 1 says this How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. So he starts off with this phrase, how lovely is your dwelling place? Now, at the time this was written, God's presence interacted just a little bit differently with people than he does today. So back in the Old Testament, God's presence would often dwell in one place at one time. You already know this, right? God met with Moses at the tent, right? God met with Solomon at the temple, right? One place, one time. So the writer starts off saying, how lovely is your dwelling place? How great is the place God's presence is, dwells? Then in verse 2, he starts to tell us what's happening in his own heart at this moment. Verse 2, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. See, he's wanting more than anything to be in the place where God's presence is, the courts of the Lord. Second half of the verse, with my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. See, the writer here is just trying to show you, look, 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 look. My entire being wants God. That's what he's saying. Now, we see this exact same idea pop up other places in the psalm. So when he uses this phrase, I long for the Lord, that same Hebrew phrase is also used in Psalm 17. It says this. He is like a lion eager to rip its prey. Discovery Channel, right? You know this because you've seen it, right? When a lion is wanting prey, it will do whatever it takes to get a gazelle, to get some food, right? Apparently, the same thing happens in deer. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, my God. When a deer is thirsty, Panting happens. <sighs> I've got to get water. And what happens in a deer and happens in a lion also happens in the human heart. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body Longs for you. 
See, like Everest and like Carnegie Hall, describing the thing can't get you even close to the experience of the thing itself. The writer is describing his ache for God and it's, it's inside of him and it's, it's toe to head. He's going, I, I gotta get this out. You gotta know what this is like. He's, he's trying to say, I have a lion-like hunger, a deer-like <sighs> panting. I've just gotta get God. That's what he's saying. Men and women, can I ask you, when is the last time you ached for God this much? How long has it been? Now, the first 15 years of my ministry, I got to work with college students, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And we would teach students how to have these things called the quiet time where you just meet one-on-one -on -one with God, read your Bible, pray a little, and then you, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. And I love that because quiet times are essential to walking with God. But Psalm 84 is not talking about quiet times. Some of you are in the habit of doing like daily devotionals, right? You do, you do your devotions every day. And I want to affirm all of that. And I want you to know devotionals don't even get you close to Psalm 84. See, when a lion is starving, the lion, she lion doesn't walk around and go, all I need is 15 minutes with Beth Moore. No lion's ever said that. When a deer is panting thirsty, a deer doesn't say, just give me a cup of coffee in my journal. See, the psalmist's heart is shouting. That's why at the end of verse 2, he says, my soul shouts to the living God. He's saying, I've got to have God. I've got to have God. I've got to have God. He's saying, I can't describe to you what Everest and, and Carnegie Hall is, I can tell you about them all day long. I can tell you about aching for God, but it won't get you close. Psalm 84 is trying to get you to this place of a lion-like hunger and a deer-like, I just gotta have God. Keep having your quiet times. Keep doing your daily devotions, but know that Psalm 84 is calling you to a higher place. Amen? You with me? I told you this stuff is challenging. Now, any of you guys have any exaggerators in your family? You got any of those? I've got I'm, I, 16 people in my family on one side of the family. They're all exaggerators, okay? So some of you are like, come on, man. Like, you're all amped up. You're exaggerating. In case you think I'm exaggerating, let's keep going. Uh, let's look at verses 5 through 7. Verses 5 through 7 seemingly come out of nowhere because they introduce the idea of a pilgrimage. Now, a pilgrimage is just a journey, okay? Verse 5, pick me up there. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the end point of the pilgrimage. So I ask, 
is talking about a pilgrimage like out of left field, a totally new topic. Rewind in your brain to Old Testament times again, and God's presence uh, dwelt in uh, Jerusalem. Right here is Jerusalem. But God's people were scattered in places all around the Middle East, sometimes hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. So, if you wanted to get from wherever you were living to meet with God's presence, you better be ready to pray verse 5, my strength comes from the Lord. Because you needed the physical strength to actually be able to make the pilgrimage from wherever you lived to God's presence to meet with him. Now, along the journey you might encounter a few valleys. Verse 6 mentions a valley of weeping. Some scholars think valley of weeping is a metaphor for an entire life or a season of life that's filled with nothing but tears. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there today. Other scholars will tell you, no, 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 valley of weeping, it's not a sad valley. It's, it's happy tears, as in, I'm making this trek to meet with God, and every single mile is worth it, because I know at the end of the miles, I get to have God. It's, it's happy tears in this valley. So which scholar, group of scholars is right? I have no idea. I don't know. Either way, whatever your interpretation, I think the point is the same. Do whatever it takes on the pilgrimage to get to the house of God. If your life is filled this morning with valleys of sadness and tears of sadness, do whatever it takes to get to the house of God. If your life came in this morning firing on all cylinders, unicorns, rainbows, roses, do whatever it takes to get to the house of God. See, these verses are saying no matter what your pilgrimage, no matter your life journey, do whatever it takes because a journey of hundreds of miles is worth it to get to God. Are you with me this morning? And I've been asking myself all month, four or five weeks now, Dusty, would you do this? Like, do you ache for God enough that you would go hundreds of miles just to be in his presence? Is that ache in your heart this morning? Is it in mine? So, a lion-like, deer-like, panting for God. That's what this psalm is after. Now we arrive at the key word of our series, when. What do I do when I don't ache for God? Because I've been there. Long seasons of not aching for God. So Dusty, what do I do when I don't ache for God? Well, I think the answer, let's look in the scriptures one last time. Uh, Meet me in verse 10. What do I do when I don't ache for God? Answer verse 10. A single day in your courts is better 
than a thousand anywhere else. Single day in God's presence is better. It's not a hard verse to understand. The, the, the writer is simply trying to get us to see, uh, give me anything, and I know God's better than that thing. Give me a day at the lake, God is better. Give me a day playing my favorite sport, God is better. Give me accomplishing something at work or school, and God is better. That's all this verse is saying. So what do I do when I don't ache for God? My answer is we renew our minds that God is better than everything. That's my answer. Now, I don't know if, if your heart is anything like mine. I'll, I'll bet it is, though. See, you see, if your heart is anything like mine, I wonder if the reason sometimes you and I may not ache for God with a lion-like, deer-like passion is because our hearts are so filled up with other things. Is your heart like mine? See, I, I sometimes think of America like this endless buffet, whether you've been to, you know, Golden Corral or, uh, uh, you know, Pizza Ranch or wherever you've been, and, and there's this American buffet, and, and, and America offers this endless buffet of delights, and we sort of belly up to the bar and go, sure, I'll have some three more scoops of my kids' activities, and oh, yes, I want a scoop of more work accomplishments. Ooh, ooh, dessert bar. I'll have another scoop of another vacation, another scoop of more family time, another scoop of my favorite streaming service, and we just keep scooping onto our plates more and more and more and and so many of the things that are offered on the American buffet are good things but taken together if we fill our plates full of these things there will be no room left to hunger for God see if your belly is filled with the American dream you will never ache for God Hard passage this morning. If you're a note taker, here's my best crack at summarizing this, this psalm. You can write this down. See, the aches in our hearts are so filled up with things that are not God, there's no room left to ache for God. Let me say it again. Sometimes, the aches in our hearts are so filled up with things that are not God that there's no room left to ache for God. I think our hearts, we get verse 10 whoop, upside down. See, in our hearts, we say a single day anywhere else is better than a thousand in the courts of God. A single day at the American buffet, feasting on the American dream is better than hungering for God. I've fallen into that deception. We get verse 10, whoop, upside down. We say a single day with my friends is better than a day in the courts of the Lord. A single day spent being productive because we're hardworking Midwesterners is better than a thousand spent with God. A single day spent on pleasure and entertainment and endless Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus is better than meeting with Almighty God. How did we get here? 
Are you feeling convicted by the scriptures? I am. I asked the Lord several times this week, please don't make me get up there and say that stuff. But to be true to the scriptures, that's what it's saying. We care more about that here at Central, even if it's hard. All right, so time out. Help me, Dusty, right? Like, you're all amped up about this. You seem like really on fire up about this thing, right? Like, help me. Uh, I mean, what do I do when I don't ache for God? My answer is verse 10. You go back to him. You go back to a single day with the Lord is better. We stop stuffing ourselves on the American buffet. And if you do that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to discover, wow, he is better. He really is better than all the other casseroles offered on the buffet. That's the gospel. God gives you himself and you taste and see that the Lord is good and that he is better than all of the other dishes on the buffet. Now, let me clarify something here. Some of you are like me, and when I hear kind of heavier messages like this, I'm like, oh, I got to leave and beat myself up, and I got to be on a big guilt trip, and I got to try harder. No, 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 no. A guilt trip and trying harder isn't going to back you away from the buffet. You know what causes you to leave the buffet? Better food. See, the day Chick-fil-A came to town, I'm never going to KFC again. No guilt trip. I just found something better. And so as we examine our hearts this morning, we look and we go, yeah, I go to Lake Ton and too much vacation, too much time, and too much time. And then if we can just lift our eyes and see, holy, 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 creator God, Lord God of heaven's armies, the great I am, we'll look and we'll go, that tastes better. And our hearts are drawn to the almighty God and we lose our taste for the American dream. That's 401 level discipleship. This is hard, right? This is not 101 level stuff. We got some teachers and professors in here. This is not 101 level stuff. And some of you are like, okay, Dusty, I hear you saying like this is higher a higher calling than just daily devotionals higher calling the quiet times but like dust i'm not even doing that stuff i'm not even doing the one-on-one level stuff and you want me to go to a higher level yeah psalm 84 does it wants you to consider is today the day you go i gotta make some changes in my life it's time to become a 401 level disciple of jesus what he's calling us to what the psalm is calling us to So, 20 years ago, I was on a mission trip when I met what I thought was the first crazy person I had ever met in my life. It was the trip leader. Um, and so, guy comes out, I don't know, day three, day four, and he goes, here today, we're going to be doing something called a half day with the Lord. You are going, this is a terrible impression of him, he's a nice guy. Um, he, he, uh, 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 we're going to do a half day with the Lord. You're going to go in out just by yourself and spend four hours with Jesus. And I was like, did I hear him correctly? Like, I can't sit still for five minutes. I'm jittery and jumpy and energetic all the time. And you want me to sit with Jesus by myself for four hours? You must be crazy. So he gave me a little guide and said, this guide will help you get started, right? And I was like, oh, man. I had no clue what I was doing, totally skeptical. I'm sure I did this thing wrong, but I just went out and I gave it a try. And so I kind of read my Bible a little, prayed a little, read a little, prayed a little. I'm sure I did it wrong. 
But at the end of four hours, do you know what I experienced? I'm not going to tell you. You need to go see Everest for yourself. See, I can describe to you Everest. I can describe Carnegie Hall. I can describe to you the joy of sitting in the presence of Almighty God, staring at Him for four hours, but describing the thing can't get you even close. That's Psalm 84. Are you with me? Is this making sense? So that was 20 years ago uh, when I did my first half day with the Lord, and I liked it so much, I did another one the next month, another one the next month, another one the next month. So I spent the last two decades now of my life every single month trying to have a half day with the Lord. I schedule it in. It's the most important appointment for me every month because it keeps my heart at a place of lion-like hunger and deer-like Panting, knowing God is better than everything. Now, I got to tell you, I don't want to set you up for failure here. Not every, uh, not every half day with the Lord is like this mountaintop experience, right? Sometimes they're dry. Oh, you just got to slug through them. Sometimes I'm super distracted thinking about the next text that I got to respond to or the next task. I don't, right? I have those days. But more often than not, I walk away having experienced the living God. So, what do I do when I don't ache for God? I would say consider taking a step to becoming a 401 level disciple by trying a half day with the Lord. That's challenge number one. I told you we'd end with two challenges here. Challenge number one is sometime in the next weeks, carve out a four-hour chunk to go and meet with the Lord. It's a big challenge. Let me give you the second one. So we just said um, that sometimes our hearts are so filled up with not God that there's no room left to ache for God. Now, when we ache for something, anything, good, bad, or ugly, more than God, the Bible has a word for that. It's the word idolatry. Idolatry. So our hearts can be so full of these little idols, the love of pleasure, the idol of control, the love of success. Oh, that's a hard one for me. And we need the Lord to take a shovel to our hearts and excavate these idols. So as we wrap up, go ahead and pull two things out if you would. Uh, grab your bulletin. Um, some of you have that out already. And then grab your phone. Yes, I'm telling you to grab your phone at church. It's all right, I promise. Um, turn in the spot in your bulletin where there's two QR codes. We're also going to throw them on the screen here. So challenge number one there is to do a half day with the Lord. And challenge number two is to spend some time excavating idols. For each of these challenges, we've provided a step-by-step -step guide to help you get started. So go ahead and snap a picture of that in your bulletin or here, and you can have access to that guide in the weeks ahead to, to go, Dust, I don't know how to get started. That's okay. It's okay if you don't know how to get started, but get going. We're going to help you with those first steps. So in a minute, we're going to ask you to fill out the bottom of your card there where you have a couple check boxes to see if the Lord's asking you to do a half day with the Lord or the excavating idols thing. But before we do that, you can't have a heavy message like this and not have an opportunity to just pray. So would you bow your head and let's, let's wrap up with some time of prayer this morning.
So wherever you are this morning, uh, sitting at home, here in the sanctuary, uh, in Oakwood, wherever you are, why don't you just silently for a few moments tell the Lord whatever's going on in your heart. God, this is hard. Lord, I'm so frustrated. Oh, this is great. Whatever it is, just pause and share honestly with the Lord what's ever going on inside you right now. excavating idols. The Lord knows your heart, so just ask him those questions and take a few moments just to listen for his voice this morning. back at your bulletin. Uh, for me, when God does something in my heart or I sit in the service and I feel like he's challenged me to take a step of faith or whatever, I found that it's helpful um, to actually write that down. Some, for some reason, it increases my likelihood of following through. So if that's you, uh, this is just between you and God. You're not handing these in. This isn't homework. But if you look on the bottom there, you'll see a spot where you can actually indicate your step of faith this morning. So it says, my commitment, sometime in the next two weeks, I will, box number one, do a half day with the Lord. Box number two, do excavating idols. If you're going to take a step of faith, do one of those in the next couple weeks. Go ahead and check that box. I'll give you a moment just to do that between you and the Lord. out this morning, know that my prayer for you and me and my family is just verse 10 of this morning's song. Better is one day in your courts, O Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. May you taste 
and see that the Lord is good as you spend time with him in the weeks ahead. As you head out, please grab a donut and have our incredible gratitude for all we're doing, uh, all you're doing for Ethiopia and TTI. And please, please consider getting one email a month and signing up to say, yeah, I can pray for just a few minutes a month uh, for international church planning in Ethiopia and around the world. You guys have a great Sunday. Drop these in the basket. They're outside. You can grab one, fill it out, put it in the basket. Have a great Sunday, everybody.